This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, a podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, and this is episode 52. It's our anniversary. I will totally resist the urge to play Tony Tony Tony's anniversary song. Uh, Javia Nicole from Black Radical Queer already sang it on her show. But as far as anniversaries go, Main Hustle Media, Militantly Mixed, Black Radical Queer are all celebrating the anniversary, the first anniversary of this journey together. So I'm really excited today. At the time I'm recording this, don't 100% know what this episode is going to shape up to be, but I got an email from a listener explaining to me what the show means to her. I have a recording between me and Javia just sort of reminiscing about what this whole year has been about. We were just going to talk for a few minutes, but we ended up talking for a couple of hours. (laughs) So I'll see what we put together for this. And mostly I just want to talk about how amazing this experience has been for me and I hope for for y'all listeners as well. I started out working on the idea of Militantly Mix years ago which if you've listened to the show the whole time, you've heard me talk about this. Back when I was still living in Boston, my co-host on Blurred Comics, Blurred Vision, he and I, we grew up together. His mom babysat me from when I was in the fourth grade on. And so we grew up together. We're mixed black nerds. And we just decided, oh, we just would get together on Skype or on Facebook or whatever. And we'd talk about, you know, being mixed and, and all the things that we wanted to do creatively around our mixedness. So years ago, we talked about maybe doing a screenplay together or a documentary of some sort. But more than anything, it was just he and I, non-related mixed folks, commiserating about our mixedness because we didn't have other people actively in our lives that we could talk about that stuff with anymore. And so the idea was brewing for a really long time. And then when I first moved back to Los Angeles in 2016, I went to the very first Black Girl Magic social meetup put on by Javi and Nicole from Black Radical Queer. And uh, we had known each other online for about a year, I think, about the time that uh, we got together in, in California. But she had just moved to Los Angeles a few months ahead of me. And we knew that once I got out here too, we were going we to meet up. And that meetup turned into an actual social group of other mostly Black Radical Queer women. Uh, not everybody was queer, though. M- mostly we were. And it was just a wonderful night. It it was it was just one of those context-free nights, which you hear me talk about on the show on a regular basis, in which you just sit down with some folks that are similar to you, and you don't have to explain any of the stuff behind why you had an experience, you know, because of the color of our skin, because of our queerness, because of our gender and things like that. XYZ happened. We didn't have to do any of that because we were all in the same boat, and it was healing, and it was wonderful. So we maintained a connection through that social group for a while. And so at that social group, while we were this context-free moment, uh, we're sitting there talking about it. And I think I was, the only, I was definitely the only one that identified as mixed there. 
And so I was explaining something about some experience about being mixed. And then I said, you know, I said something to the effect of, you know, I grew up in the hood. I know I present yellow or whatever, but I'm black as fuck. I'm militantly mixed. And it was just kind of off the cuff because I always talk about being militant. And I always talk about being mixed, but I never kind of pushed it together that I could remember. I really significantly remember this being the first time I said it out loud at that dinner. And the, a light bulb just snapped. It just popped over my, my head when I said it. And, you know, the conversation continued. But while that happened, I picked up my phone and I went on to Twitter and I went on to Instagram and I just booked those usernames because I didn't know what I, I didn't know there was going to be any reason for it. I just wanted to have it because at that point that I figured out what my name was. I was militantly mixed and I didn't know if I was going to use it as a social handle or anything else. Honestly, in the moment, I didn't have any plans for it. I just said those two words together and was like, that's me. So I grabbed those social handles. And that was 2016. I got this job when I first moved to LA and it was this great job at the time. I, I rose in the ranks really quickly and things like that. And then something pretty significantly tragic happened to me there. And I no longer had the job by the following year, by the following summer. And so I, I actually fell into a massive depression, massive depression, the kind of depression where I didn't open the shades. I stayed on the couch all day watching 30 Rock in the dark and then at night I was wide awake laying in bed or I was asleep and you know sleeping for 24 hours almost and things like that which is crazy when you're an insomniac. So this lasted for several months and then I started doing freelance work. So yeah the depression hit first and I could barely get myself out of the bed. And then I got to a point where I absolutely had to get off the bed and, and go back to work. So I started freelancing and um, I got some contract work. And I had the option to stay at this company that I was at, but I didn't feel comfortable that, uh, with the owner of the place. I, I didn't believe in the vision of that person or the follow through. And I felt like it was going to end badly. So when my contract ran out, I, I left. And it was after, it was while I was thinking about leaving that I started thinking, you know what, it is time. I got to stop working for other people. I need to start building this media company that I've been wanting to build for years. I mean, I went back in 2012, I went back to get my master's specifically in entertainment business so that I could start launching my production company. And at the time, that was when I was still focused on film and things like that. So my capstone project was a, a multimedia production company focused on people of color created content, which is exactly what Main Hustle Media is today. But at the time, I was calling it mixed race movies or mixed girl moving pictures or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, mixed girl moving pictures because I had a blog for it for school. And then I tried to come up with all other kinds of things, remix and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But the idea was there, not, not necessarily the name. And so while I was wrapping up at this company that I was contracting at, I thought about uh, mixed girl media. So I designed a logo and I started getting to work on that or whatever, but I just, it wasn't clicking. Things weren't clicking in the place. It wasn't popping. And that was coming into the end of December and the beginning of January. So I'm drawing this logo and I'm trying to map out what my business plan is going to be and everything like that. And I think, I think I just kept being focused on, you know, what can I do about mixed raceness? What can I do about mixed raceness? And, and I was talking to Blurred Vision um, a lot through social media and everything like that. We still hadn't really seen each other that often, even though we both live here in Southern California. And then it finally clicked. Oh, yeah, I've been sitting on this militantly mixed handle for, you know, almost two years. Let's start building this together. So I started drawing the logo for that. And I totally just trashed Mixed Girl Media. Even though I had done all this progress for Mixed Girl Media, it no longer fit what I was thinking of wanting to do. 
And so I, I started, you know, going in hard on Militantly Mixed. So I thought, okay, here's my idea. I'm going to start Militantly Mixed and hopefully I'll generate an audience and things like that. That'll help me propel me into creating a network. And so that'll be down the pipe. And I bought a few domains for a couple of company name ideas and stuff like that, but that wasn't going to be the goal yet. Militantly Mixed was, was the goal, but I couldn't get it out of my head that I wanted to work. I wanted to create a network for POC created content. And so even while I'm actively trying to put together my ideas for Militantly Mixed, and by this point I had the logo, I had been posting on social media and different mixed race groups to try to get guests and listeners and things like that. And then I, because I was dealing with my depression, I couldn't get it out of my head that I wanted to create a show about uh, blackness and mental health. So I referred back to my Black Girl Magic group and I posted on that social group's page and I was like, hey, I know y'all also, a lot of y'all deal with this as well, but I really want to start having an open conversation about blackness and mental health. And I'm about to start another podcast, but I think I'm going to start a company producing these types of things. So is there anybody who'd be interested in working on this with me? And Javia reached out and she was like, this is exactly something that's been on my mind lately. Let's talk. And so the idea behind uh, Mind on My Melanin started. So I still haven't begun uh, finishing up episodes yet. I had been banking interviews, but I hadn't begun finishing up episodes yet for Militantly Mixed. And here I am already plotting out my next show. And through our conversations and our plans for Mind on My Melanin, Javia hits me up with, hey, I've been wanting to do this thing for a while. And um, her wife, Courtney, was like, you should do a podcast. And then I, you know, within days or a week or so come through with like, hey, I'm, I'm starting this podcast thing. And so she's like, everything is pointing towards doing this. So I want to do a show called Black Radical Queer. Can you help me with the production of it? And boom, that's when Militantly Mixed went from being a solo project that I was just going to be doing kind of hobby style to, oh, we got to start this company. And I was kicking around a couple names, like I said, for the company. But the, the name that I always really liked was Main Hustle. Turning my side hustle into my main hustle has always been something I've said for years. And, you know, if you've, if you've listened to any of my shows at this point, you know how often I love to put my name in things. So Main Hustle Media was born. And honestly, yet again, another place that Javia validated what I was wanting to do and everything was I was second guessing the name, probably because I don't generally think of myself as very narcissistic, except for where my name is concerned. I love my name so often I do try to put it in things. Also, as a kid with a name like Charmaine that's spelled in a way that most people wouldn't naturally spell it, I have a complex about not being able to find my names on souvenir things, <laughs> like keychains and coffee mugs and t-shirts and shit when you're, when you're traveling. And this is really, this is legitimately where this, this thing comes from. Me not, my brother always being able to, you know, go into a quick stop and see a keychain with his name on it and me never being able to do it. It's exactly where this stems from. And so because of that, I started putting my names in everything. And so second guessing it, and even my husband had opinions about whether or not he thought it, it um, signified a positive idea. And that's because for me, growing up in the hood, the idea of a hustle is a positive. But for him, growing up in the suburbs, the idea of a hustle is a negative. And so we weren't speaking the same language. So I hit Javi up with it, and I was like, this is what I'm thinking about doing, and here's the reasons why I think I want to do it, and here's the reasons why I think I don't want to do it. And the second I said it, she started screaming. She was like, that is the name you are going to be using. That is amazing. Trust yourself, believe in yourself. So for that first couple months, and even to this day, why am I tripping? 
Javia was the one. She was the one pushing and validating all of the things that had me second guessing myself through the journey, um, which I will always, always, always be indebted to her for because part of the thing about me, which I think I have talked about before, is I am one of those people who are like super crazy passionate and appear to be super duper motivated about something. But because it's for me, I feel guilty, a weird kind of guilt about it. And I stop. I, I, I don't follow through on a lot of things that I'm passionate about. I will get partway through. I will get 75% through whatever. But at some point I'll start. And this is actually, this is a, a family trait. A lot of us are like this in my family. Um, It's infuriating. But I feel a sense of guilt in trying to do anything for myself. I, I feel like I'm supposed to only be doing things for other people people. So like if someone else has a project and I commit to it, my follow through is usually pretty strong all the way through. I'm going to be there to help you realize your vision. I'm not going to be there for myself to help me realize mine. And to date, I had never done that before. Uh, So I needed that cheerleader to get me through that first couple humps of self-doubt and Javia was that cheerleader for me. And so here we go. It's it's May at this time. We were taught we started the month talking about Mind on my melanin, and we ended the month talking about Black Radical Queer and Militantly Mixed and Main Hustle. And we set our dates and we're ready to launch. We're like, I kept telling her I want to do the promos on June 19th because it's Emancipation Day, and both as Black folks, this is a, a way towards our own emancipation in terms of hopefully this takes off enough that we can do, live this as a life and not work for other people. But also in my case, and because I, I won't speak for Javia, but in my case, it was an emancipation of doubt, of self-doubt, of making myself sit in the corner and not follow through with my ideas just because it was for me. And so you've heard me talk about where I say, you know, I started this show with the selfish intent of being able to talk about mixed things on a re- regular basis. And within just a couple interviews, it was really, really clear to me that this was way bigger than my selfish desire to chat with mixed folks. And that's what keeps me going now. So in the beginning, whenever that would start, that doubt would start to chip in again and be like, I can't just do something for me. It has to be for others. Then I started having these really therapeutic discussions with the people that were my early guests on the show about mixedness and realizing what this show was. In the beginning, I thought I was going to kind of talk about news things and what it's like being mixed and things like that, but talk to other mixed race people. But so quickly, I realized it was about our experience from our own mouths or like Javia says on Black Radical Queer. Our stories on our own terms. And and that was all I needed to keep it going, honestly. It, even though still it's my, it's my company, it's my show, blah, 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 blah. Because of the people that I've had the privilege to speak to for the show, that's what keeps me able to go without stopping just because it's for me, right? So it's a little trick. It's a, it's a, it's a hack on my weird little demotivational whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's a hack against me quitting because I'm doing something for myself. And now it's the anniversary and I cannot believe that I stuck to something that I was personally passionate about for a year without finding a reason to quit because the initial motivation was for myself. And I'm so excited and I'm so grateful that everybody who has participated on the show, either as a guest or as a sponsor or as just a friend who's retweeting and sharing my tweets or my Instagram posts or my Facebook posts or joining my Facebook group to, to help me build this. I would love, 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 love to have daily and frequent interaction the way I see on some of the other social groups 
but I don't know. That's not a talent that I have and knowing how to push that. So I'm trying to work on that as well. So this first whole year has been about figuring out how to do this, figuring out which microphones to use, figuring out how to clean up audio, figuring out how to improve my production of episodes and things like that. It's been about outreach to try to develop more shows so that I can actually make this network be a more established network. And I think year two, the focus is going to be on the growth, the outreach to people, finding the people, finding more people all over the world to to connect and actually engage on a regular basis in the social groups and things like that, because I think that's going to be uh, what propels Militantly Mixed and Main Hustle Media into a more established and official business. Uh, right now, honestly, it is the sponsors that help keep the show going. Um, through Patreon, the monthly sponsorship does help me keep up with hosting fees. For a couple of the other shows, I've recently moved those over to Anchor because I can't sustain, financially, I can't sustain the hosting fees for those. And Anchor is a free platform. I don't want to change Militantly Mix, though, because to do that, I would lose a lot of my analytics, um, which helps me track where people are listening, uh, which will help me find ways to connect with more people. So I don't want to change what I'm doing with Militantly Mix. So the sponsorship helps me keep that going. Whereas on the other shows where the following isn't as big yet, uh, I can use the Anchor platform and use their advertising tools to be able to push those shows. So um, those shows will grow with time and they are all parts of my passion. You know, I talk about intersectionality and every show that I have on the network is a part of my intersectionality where it's whether or not it's a show I host or just a, sh or a show I produce. Black Radical Queer, I, I'm just the producer and editor of that show. It is Javia's show. She creates all her own content, but it speaks to my intersectionalness also. So that's that's where we're at. This is this is the first year. And before I get into the clips with Javia, I want to share an email that a listener sent to me. And this is someone whose name I've been seeing popping up on the social group and retweeting, re-Instagramming for quite a while. And I uh, I had posted something on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook group a couple weeks back saying, you know, the anniversary is coming up. Just trying to figure out how people feel about the show, blah, blah, blah you know, send me a message or come on Skype with me and, and let's talk about it. And so here is the message that I received from Heather Chambers, who is a listener from the UK and actually something, somebody that has engaged on some of the things that I've posted in the social group, which has been awesome. So here's the message. Hi, Charmaine. You asked people to tell you what militantly mixed means to them in the run up to your first anniversary. And I'm happy to contribute to that. I first became aware of Militantly Mixed when it popped up on my Twitter feed one day. I'm not sure how it got there, but I was really glad to see it because I was having a not so good day at work when I saw that first post and I felt so much better knowing you were around. It means so much to hear about the experiences of mixed people and to have a space that's just for us. I love the variety and depth of the experiences that I have heard via Militantly Mixed. I live in the UK and appreciate you haven't made things too American-centric so that people from other countries can benefit from the podcast. And here's a bit about me. I'm mostly white English, but had a black American grandfather I have never had a chance to meet. He was in the US Army during the Second World War and was stationed in the UK. So I don't have a real connection to black culture, but I am often identified as black or othered in some way. I know it's a bit early, but I'd like to wish you a happy anniversary. Here's to the future of Militantly Mixed. With all the best wishes, Heather. So first of all, Heather, 
thank you so much for sending this message and for your continued support of the show. I, I see you on Twitter. I see you on Instagram. I see you on the Facebook group. And it means so much that you have engaged on, on such a long-term basis with the show that it hasn't been just, oh, this one thing touched me and I've interacted with. I, like, I really, I see your name and as soon as it pops up, it is a familiar thing for me and I'm excited about that. So thank you so much for sending this message. The other part of the message that really you know, touches me or has a direct line to me is that because I am also Black American and Caucasian British, when I see other people have a combination of that mix, I get, you know, I feel like, oh, there's a cousin out there in the world. My my grandfather was also stationed in the UK during, well, actually, in my case, during the Korean War era. And uh, he married, met and married my grandmother and brought her here. So my, my Black American grandfather was an Air Force GI and my British my white British grandmother uh, married him and came here. And so, yeah, they came here, had a family, and, and that's why that's why I'm Black and, and Caucasian British. And I love the connection of... I love discovering what parts of me are, are kind of naturally British since I didn't necessarily stick around with my... I don't have a, a current relationship with my British grandmother, although she is still alive. Things went really south for us when I was a teenager, and I was trying to get help to get away from my dad and told members of his family who didn't support me during the abuse. So, um, so I no longer am connected to that side of the family, but I, um, but the, there's cultural elements and things like that, that I grew up with that, that are still a part of me. And when I discover something British about me, I, I do kind of enjoy that. I do love British humor. And I mean, I drink tea like a crazy person all day long. And it just, it's nice to know that there's other people like me out there, that I'm not just this weird how on earth is there a black American Caucasian British mixed person out there in the world? So Heather, you're my play cousin, my, my black and English play cousin. And thank you so much for your continued support of the show. I'm so excited. Okay, so for the next, uh, next segment, I'm actually going to share some parts of the conversation that I had with Javia. Just sort of reminiscing about this first year of Main Hustle Media, which includes both Militantly Mixed and Black Radical Queer. So what we ended up doing last year is we actually, we both put out our promos on Juneteenth, June 19th, uh, 2018, and then uh, we gave ourselves a little bit of time for the release. So in my case, I don't know why I fixated on it, but for me, it was July 5th was the day I ended up picking. And Javi, in this conversation, Javi reminded me that I initially was going to put his shit all the way out to September for some reason. And she was like, no, you are ready. You can do it. Uh, so I, I decided for July 5th and she had decided June 27th. So she actually just had her air date anniversary on Thursday of um, this last week. And at the time I'm recording this, this is Saturday, June 29th, uh, in anticipation of the dropping this episode on July 2nd. So Militantly Mix's anniversary, air date anniversary, is actually July 5th, which is next Friday. But since we dropped the shows on Tuesday, we're dropping the anniversary episode on Tuesday. Went to bed with a bit of good news last night. I have been tweeting about trying to uh, get hit 8,000 downloads for the show for the whole year um, by the time the anniversary hit. And as I was going to bed last night at 1 a.m., I saw that we crossed over to 8,000 even. At the time I was going to bed around, like seriously, it was like 109 a.m. And I looked and there was 8,000 on the dot. 
I think now I'm on like 8,007 or something like that. But um, so thank you to everybody who's listening and downloading. I hope you're sharing. I hope episodes are connecting with you and not just ones that speak directly to your mixedness because there's so much crossover over our mixedness in general. Like I have talked to people who come from cultural backgrounds that I do not have any connection to. And yet they've said something that I've, I've experienced exactly either in an interaction with other people or just this, the feeling of weirdness that we have when we're younger, not realizing that um, our weirdness and scare quotes could be our power, you know, things like that. It has been so amazing for me. It's been so educational for me. I didn't realize, and I've talked about this too, I didn't realize where my biases were. And like an idiot or like a normal person, I guess, I just assumed, you know, I'm not biased. How can I be? I'm mixed. I have, I'm intersectional. I can't possibly be biased. And yet there's been times in which I've discovered biases that I had towards certain groups or towards certain experiences that I just didn't know. And then once someone from that experience starts speaking and I start to realize it, I instantly start doing the work. I start reading. I start investigating. I ask questions geared towards helping me understand. And um, and I put it out there on the show. My first episode about white passing with Gretchen Erickson, when she and I first started talking about this before we recorded for the show, that's when I realized I was disregarding of the white passing experience because, and as I've said several times, they had the golden ticket. They could just pass. They didn't have to deal with the issues that we dealt with, not realizing that they deal with the most major issue that we all deal with, quote unquote, not being enough of dot, 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 you know? And once I discovered that I started doing the work and as I've mentioned on, on recent, uh, recordings, or they'll be coming down the pipe because I, I have recorded some things that haven't aired yet. I mean, once I realized that, I was like, oh, okay, I got to start doing some outreach. And and I didn't really have to do much outreach. They started finding me. Naming that episode White Passing made people start to flock to me. So now I'm like unofficially the spot for uh, White Passing. I had ended up saying on a recording, which I instantly had a tummy ache over the, the Pied Piper of White Passing folks. My tummy ache has some more to do with the R. Kelly thing and not wanting to be associated with that name. But yeah, like now White Passing folks flock to me because at this point I have about four or five episodes uh, about people with a White Passing or White Presenting experience. And that really is connecting with folks who have never had a place to talk about their mixedness uh, because they present white. And our bias against that, or, you know, many people's bias against that is that you don't have a problem because you look like them. So chill out. And now that I've had as much engagement as I've had with people uh, who do pass as white, I realize now that our issues are exactly the same. They're just, you know, different skin tones. It really all boils down to different skin tones and and how people interact with us and how our lived experience ends up being as a result of people's reacting to us. But inside, we're all weighed down with the same issues. The I'm not enough of, I wish I looked more like, um, I wish I just looked like the thing that I'm most comfortable with or the thing I connect mostly to, you know, whatever it is, we all suffer those issues throughout our adolescence and in some cases throughout our adulthood. I have talked about how mixed I am and how I live a very mixed life and anytime someone, you know, incorrectly 
decides what race I am. I jump in and I do this and you know, I tell them what they got wrong and blah, 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 blah. But even, even I deal with doubt on a lot of, a lot of times when I'm in a predominantly black space, I'm, I'm incredibly envious of folks that present blacker than I do because I would like to just be in an environment without, without having to put forward that I mix all the time. Even as black people always identify me. I never have to tell people I'm black. I usually have to tell people what's the other thing in me. You know, uh, I was at an event just the other night where someone goes, well, um, I know you're black, but what else are you? And loving hearing, I know you're black, but what else? <laughs> it's so it's such a flip because if a white person said anything remotely like that to me, I'd be like, how dare you? But um, when it's on the black side, when I am validated for my blackness just off of sight, it's it helps. I don't know. So even after a year of doing this show and after 41 years of being a mixed as fuck person, I still need validation in some places. I still need people to see my blackness before they see anything else. And and so when I have these conversations with people, I'm only an ex expert in my lived experience, but I'm becoming, unofficially, I'm becoming an expert in mixedness in general because I'm absorbing so much information from the experiences that are shared with me. So... Man, I know this is probably a ramble when I listen back to it um, for the edit, but I'm just, I'm, I just, I am so excited. I'm so grateful that I have this show and that I have all of these experiences shared through everybody who has come on the show to talk to me. And I'm looking forward to what other things in mixedness I'm going to experience through future guests. All right, so I think I had already said we we're going to go there and then I rambled a little bit longer, but uh, then this next section, I'm going to drop in a few clips of my conversation with Javia and Nicole from Black Radical Queer, another main hustle media podcast about what this year has been like to us. All right, so I have Javi and Nicole with me from Black Radical Queer, fellow Main Hustle Media. What'd you call us before? Main Hustle Media Mavens? Mm hmm. That's what you call us? Uh, I was trying to keep the alliteration. I know. Going. I love that alliteration. So, yeah, I basically I just wanted to get us to get together for a minute because we've both hit our anniversaries for our shows. And, and by extension, Main Hustle Media has now, I always consider Juneteenth to be Main Hustle Media's actual anniversary because that's the day we dropped both of our promos and it was the it was the final commitment it was the public commitment I guess on both of our parts yeah. that we were going to be doing this we became accountable it's, yeah it was shifted from just being a conversation to oh now there's an expectation right so I do think of it that way and I just wanted to get together for a few minutes and and talk about what this year has been like for for both of us uh, separately for our shows and then also together as uh, teammates in this uh, in this hustle game. All right. So um, I guess you should start. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so for me, I, I was still working it out. Like I knew that ultimately I was going to want to go down this path of having a, a podcast network or whatever. But my original goal was start, ma uh, start militantly mix, grow, see, learn, learn through doing the show and everything like that. But I had a bee in my bonnet about doing something related to mental health and black folks because it's like even in the last year, I feel like it has become more accessible to talk about mental health and blackness than it had ever been before. Or maybe my radar just wasn't attuned to it or something like that before. 
So I had to be in my bonnet about it. And I reached out to our little social group that, that uh, you organized for us here in L.A., the Black Girl Magic Group. And I was like, listen, this is a thing I'm about to start doing. I'm going to start this show. But I kind of also want to do a show about mental health. Is there anybody out in the group that would like to participate with me? And you responded and you were like, yeah, let's start talking about it. And so we started having conversations. I want to say it was like February or March of last year. About I think it was probably March. March. Because, yeah, uh, I mean, we didn't, it wasn't like a super long turnaround at the end of the day. Yeah, know, I guess that's true. Between the conversations and like actually launching. Um, so, yeah, I think it was probably around March. And we decided and we were like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, one, that's your wheelhouse anyway. You talk about mental health and wellness it's part of your career and stuff so you were like yeah let's talk about it and since you are pretty much the black idiot's black person i have here in la the focus on black folks was and in particular i think black women was like yes this is we are going to find a way to do this and so we started mm -hmm. talking about mind on my melanin and five seconds later you and I both had separate shows and we were like oh i guess main hustle media is starting it's not in the future it's now right um i mean i think too because we were talking about you know mental health and just talking about all the things that um factor into it um because of course as you're navigating these multiple intersecting identities um all those things play a part in your well-being mm -hmm. so you know we kind of went from having a conversation about hey this mental health dialogue is desperately needed to talking about um, these are, you know, kind of some of my intersecting identities, and these are the things that impact my mental health. Um, so, and of course, race is a huge one. You know, in a white supremacist world, race is a huge thing. So we kind of, you know, branched off into that and talked about how we each wanted to uh, address uh, race um, and, you know, our intersecting identities, whether it's like uh, womanhood or queerness or whatever. Um, and just kind of spun off from there. But um, I am a very typical Aries in regards to um, if I dive into something, I do dive in horns first, I guess, because of ram. And if I commit to something, um, it's not something I take lightly. So I'm like, if I'm saying I'm going to do it, then that's it. <laughs> like, it's not like, oh, you know, speculative or just being like, you know, oh, this will be nice. I'm like, all right, then. So this is what we said we're going to do. Let me circle back to you in about 24 hours. <laughs> like, that's really my my mindset. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, yeah, I remember when, whenever we started talking about Mind on My Melanin and stuff, we were working things out and we were chatting about what it might be. And then you kind of casually said, it's so you said something like it's so crazy that you brought this up because I've been sort of thinking about doing a show of some sort or doing something about black radical queerness. And maybe, you know, someone said maybe somebody had told you you should do a podcast or something like that. But then yeah, me mentioning it kind of brought it all together. It was like too many, too many things were pointing in this direction. And so you brought up, right. I'd like to do black radical queer and within from the time you said that to the time you had booked your first like 29 guests <laughs> it was like three days <laughs> was it 29 you i don't Jesus. remember what it was like i don't know why i zeroed <laughs> in on that number but you had booked like you had basically had the next two months of weekends booked. oh well that's true that is true you I did mean, not I had, go in um, soft you were like yeah i don't yeah i mean i was gonna say i don't know how to do that I do in certain circumstances <laughs> because I'm like, that sounds kind of, you know, I can be soft and gentle at times. 
But no, I mean, I, I, my personality is very much to go hard if I'm passionate about something. And because it was something that was important to me and um, also that was important to you. And so um, I'm all about, you know, like, let me support my people, blah, blah, blah. So um, it's not something that I took lightly. And um, yeah, I mean, when we were talking about it, I was talking about this in my my Voyage uh, LA interview. Um, yeah, I was just like, I know I want to do something because I saw that there was a need, but I didn't know what format. And um, my wife suggested a podcast. And then I kept getting like little hints that were like pointing me in the direction of a podcast, including you uh, dropping that message in the um, meetup group. So I was just like, okay, maybe I should just go for this because I I kept thinking about maybe doing like a YouTube channel. But I've tried vlogging before and it was like, I hadn't been the most successful at it. It was very like hit or miss or just off and on. Like it was hard for me to sustain. Um, it's just all the stuff you have to do to prepare to be on camera. And I don't always feel like being on camera. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, okay, you know, a podcast will probably be good. But I, so it was important to me to like, of course, follow through, um, but not just for the, you know, concept of like BRQ, but also because I knew what you were trying to do with main hustle media. So I, um, and, and, but I knew you were kind of in this almost like limbo type space and, um, I don't do limbo. I don't do limbo. So I'm like, (laughs) you say, what, what you trying to do? What we doing? All right then. And so that's me. Like I'm the person who's like the, like, we'll just dive in and get in, but, but not in a, um, careless way, not like in a, um, disorganized way, but dive in and like get this shit done for real, for real. Um, because it's like, if you, this is what you say you want to do. And once I, if someone says they want to do something, I sign on to it. Like, I'm like, Oh yeah, I believe in this. I'm like, okay, so I'm ready. I'm a very like boots on the ground type of person. Like, let's get this shit done. That was a little taste of the beginning portion of the discussion that Javia Nicole from Black Article Queer and I had about the beginnings of Main Hustle Media and the beginnings of Militantly Mixed and Black Radical Queer. Uh, we were originally only set out to talk for a few minutes just about that, but we ended up kind of going on for like an hour and a half, which was crazy because we were also supposed to be recording an episode for her show. Blew past that, totally skipped that uh, to do that. So what I think I'm actually going to do, and this decision wasn't made when I recorded the other day for the beginning portion of this episode, is I'm going to release that th- that discussion in its entirety between Javi and I uh, on our Patreon page. We don't often... I. I haven't had as much time as I would like to to dedicate adding more exclusive content to the Patreon platform, which is kind of what's supposed to entice people to sponsor us and and help keep us growing and everything like that. So I'm going to start this off as an exclusive for the Patreon audience. If after a while, everybody who does sponsor us listens to it, I might release it publicly. But you know, we got to take care of the people that are, you know, helping pay the bills. (laughs) And literally at this moment, those of you who sponsor us on Patreon are helping me pay the bills because without a job, since I lost my job a couple weeks ago, I would not be able to pay for these hosting fees come next month. Um, Even as of today, I am waiting for my car to be fixed because as soon as I lost my job, uh, I got a nail in my tire, a big old screw in my tire. I just found out that my brakes are shot in the back, not in the front, thank goodness. I have about $2,000 worth of car repairs to do, but I can only do about 400 of them. I have a sick cat. I have my car note due, and next month I'll have rent and all the other bills that we have throughout the month, and I have exceeded my abilities to get any additional money um, that I don't work for through my 
closing out my retirement funds and all that kind of stuff. We also were denied closing out my husband's retirement fund because he's still actively teaching. So it's a damn mess in our life financially. <laughs> a damn mess. I feel like I really need to win. But you know, this is life. Some shit, sometimes shit happens. The positive side of not having a day job is that I can dedicate more time to developing the show and hopefully getting us a larger audience, hopefully picking up more sponsors and eventually getting a big enough audience that I can entice advertisers and things like that to help pay the bills. But for now, the people who are paying the bills are the Patreon sponsors. You can also sponsor the show through patreon.com slash militantlymixed. Uh, you can start as a, as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish. There's different reward levels depending on what level you pick. I have really, really great sponsors. Some of y'all have been with me since for the last 11 months. So come mid-July, you will be a sponsor for a whole year. And I, I really appreciate it. And seriously, right now, couldn't do the show without y'all's support. So I really, really appreciate the sponsorship. If you would like to join that group of people, go ahead and go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed and help us out. And in a couple of days, I will upload this full discussion between Javia and I exclusively for the Patreon sponsors. All right. And the second way that you can donate financially to the cause, if you wish, is to go to paypal.me slash militantlymix. That doesn't have an, a monthly commitment or anything like that. You can drop money whenever you want, whenever you don't. And this actually helps more with promoting the show so that I can grab that, that broader audience. The, the extra money that drops into PayPal occasionally is money that goes into me uh, placing ads for Militantly Mix on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. And now I guess it's also going to, to help with developing some more merchandise that I can get out there. So I'm actually working on a number of t-shirts that are going to go up soon. Uh, new t-shirts, there'll be quotes from the show and things uh, things that I say on a regular basis. Um, we're going to get a Be Your Mixed Ass Self up there pretty soon. That seems to be heavily requested. So I'm going to get some more stuff out there for you here shortly. Um, I definitely have a little bit more time to put that together. And to be honest, I feel like... While there's a bunch of other stuff I originally planned on wanting to put on the show, um, life is kind of so hectic and crazy right now. Even just trying to have a good attitude today, earlier today, was really tough. It's a little bit better right now, so I do feel like I'm in a good mood right now. But that's also the nature of depression. I've been going up and down, up and down, up and down for the last couple weeks pretty heavily. So I record when I get happy moments <laughs> and trying not to bring everybody down when I have a low moment. So I think I'm actually going to wrap up right here. I think this is a good spot. You got a little bit of taste of what Javi and I talked about and you can get the whole, if you want to hear the whole interview, you can uh, donate at the $5 level on patreon.com slash militantlymixed and you'll hear the whole two hour discussion or hour and a half, somewhere around there discussion. I'll get that up here in a couple of days. And then next week, we'll come back with a regular ass episode. I have already interviewed people for the month of July some really interesting interviews, some that just started as a conversation that I happened to be recording <laughs> and just turned into an episode. So I'm going to get some good stuff out there for you over the next couple of weeks. And I am still looking for more guests to, to fill things up. It's been a long time since I actually was interviewing on a regular basis. I had had this bank of interviews that I'd been releasing uh, weekly up until kind of beginning of June, or end of May, beginning of June. And now I'm rebuilding that up. So right now I have about four banked interviews. Um, looking for more people to talk to. If you are listening and you are ready to share your story, let me tell you, for every guest that I've had, 
it has touched somebody. Somebody has reached out to me or followed them on social media and, and told them that they connected with their story and they were thanking them for their sharing. It happens all the time. And this is such a small show. I can't even begin to tell you. I mean, we, we just hit 8,000 downloads over the course of the whole year. On average, we were barely making 1,000 a month until recently. So a show as small as this that it's having as big an impact on individuals it has just been amazing. I'm I'm overwhelmed by the impact it has, especially when I get a chance to talk to people who found the show and were just interested in the subject matter. Uh, when I actually get to talk to them and convince them to come on the show, which you have heard happen has happened a few times, it it, it it's just like it's it's wonderful. We're creating an archive of mixedness that hasn't existed anywhere else in any time. And this is really important to me. I, I've been describing it as a footprint of mixedness, but I like the idea of it being an archive. I kind of got that idea got planted in my head when I was at this event, this podcasting event the other the other day, where someone was talking about brown and black folks don't have as as many things in the archive that uh, the mainstream or whiteness does. And so that's what we're doing here. For every one of you who comes onto the show to share your mixed ass story, you are now in the archive of mixedness. And there are people out there who are going to stumble on your episode and they're going to hear it and you're going to touch them, you're going to affect them. And then maybe they'll come on, share their story as well. That has absolutely happened several times. Uh, last week's guest, Olivia, she even said B's episode uh, was the one who affected her. And after that, she started binging the, the show. I've had several people who listened to Gretchen's episode on white passing and decided to reach out to me. Um, I've had a number of people who listened to Salam's episode from Ethiopia and were just overwhelmed by the circumstances of which led her to come onto the show and how difficult it was for us to be able to schedule recording based off of her situation out there and people who have been touched by the music of uh, John Corbin and James Dugan, uh, that they've written music about mixedness. I get these messages fairly regularly and I, I love it. I, I don't know. I just love it. I, I cannot believe a year has gone by and that I have connected with so many of you mixed folks around the world. I want more. This is making me greedy. It's not slowing down. And even as I battle depression and battle a lot of this personal life issues stuff that I've been having going on, I always know I have militantly mixed to look forward to. I always know that there's going to be some mixed ass person out there ready to share their story with me. So thank you so much to everybody that's participated in the show this year. Ooh, I did not expect to get emotional. Uh, thank you to Javia for believing in my vision and working with me throughout this last year to get Main Hustle Media kind of up and running. Thank you to Blurred Vision, my co-host on Blurred Comics, my childhood homie, for jumping on and creating a new show with me. Thank you to everybody who's listened. All my friends that, whether or not they're mixed or not, but just listen to the show because they believe and support me who have come back to me and told me about the things that they've learned in listening. And thank you to the strangers, you strange people out there who have stumbled on my show and kept listening and shared it with friends and, and those of you who have actually come on the show as well. I, I am overwhelmed that this has happened, that we've hit a year and that it's still going. And more than that, that there is, a, there is growth happening. It's amazing. I, I, I legitimately am 
yeah, overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm just overwhelmed. So I think I'm going to leave it there because I don't like how often I've cried on my fucking show, people. God damn. I don't even cry in real life as often as I cry on this damn show. But anyways, I love it. I love everybody who's participated. And for all of you folks that are out there listening to me on a weekly basis, don't forget to be your mixed ass selves. Thank y'all. Really, thank you. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Johnson. Music is by David Bogan, The One. And if you like what you heard on Militantly Mix, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.